Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. A one-off sermon series. If you've been with us for the past several weeks, we've been studying through the book of John. We're pausing for one Sunday. We're going to pick up right back where we left off next week. But today I want to talk about fasting. And I want you to hear right out of the gate that the undisciplined life will be your undoing. So when we start to talk about fasting, I just need you to be, uh, I need to give you a warning right up front. If you're at home and there's stuff going on in your living room, would you please kind of eliminate the distractions because I need you to focus because this sermon is actually dangerous to your soul if you don't hear what I'm going to say today. In fact, if you're in this room and there's some big stuff that's going on in your life and you're thinking about that stuff right now, would you ask the Holy Spirit to help you focus right now? Because I need you to understand people have got this spiritual concept wrong for centuries. In fact, sometimes people treat the topic of fasting like they're doing something for God. And so God, you now owe me. I just did something and sacrificed for you. And God, you owe me. And so you owe to answer my prayers. That's a dangerous way of approaching fasting. And it's the way that Jesus describes in Matthew, or I mean in Luke 18, when he says that this super spiritual hypocrite goes to the temple and says, God, I fast twice a week, so you owe me. And Jesus says, that guy goes home without his prayers being heard, but this simple, humble sinner who can't even lift his head up to heaven says, God, forgive me. And Jesus says, those are the prayers that God hears. There's also the people that distort uh, fasting and they kind of denominations, whole churches do this. They treat food like it's evil. They do, um, they, they use it to kind of bring in some uh, discipline in your life, but they basically treat it like you should avoid it as much as you're able to. And first Timothy chapter four talks about false preachers. Listen to these words who will deny you of marriage or of food, and Timothy says, and in Timothy it says they're actually speaking on behalf of the devil. You can get this really wrong if you're not careful. Fasting can be really dangerous to your soul if you do it wrong. But let's just be honest, y'all. Maybe the only other thing that can be more dangerous to our soul here in the West, living in the land of milk and honey, is a life that never sacrifices, never gives up anything. Maybe it's not so much having to uh, give up something. It's the everyday numbing ourselves with what this land of plenty has to offer that does even more danger to our soul. And pretty soon our soul starts to become, um, or we start to look to be filled by something other than Jesus. And it doesn't matter what it is. When you look to something other than Jesus, that thing, even a good thing, will do some danger to your soul. That's why my very first words right out of the gate is an undisciplined life can become our undoing. 
So I'm going to put two words on the screen in just a second. You guys have already recognized the similarities between these two words, but I need you to understand where these two words come from and how these two words influence the way that we should approach our relationship with God and our relationship with food. Here's the two words. And this math formula says that every disciple should also be disciplined. The exact same root word. You know the Latin root word for discipline is the exact same root word for disciple. It's the word pupil. It's the word student, follower. And a student or a follower of Jesus should be living a self-disciplined life. If you're not living a disciplined life, it says something about your relationship with Jesus. It says something about the kind of disciple that you are. Now, I've been preaching for decades, and I don't think I've ever done an entire sermon on fasting. Today's the first, a first for me. And so I did a lot of work and a lot of preparation just to make sure that I understood what the Bible has to say about this topic. What I'm going to try to do is answer questions because a lot of Christians that I know have a lot of questions. We're going to try to answer the question, what is fasting and why do people fast and how should we fast? And by the time that we get done with this sermon today, I'm going to just shamelessly ask you if you will join Two Cities Church in a 21-day fast starting today. But a lot of what you're going to hear from me comes from a book called A Hunger for God by the pastor and author John Piper. And the basic essence of that book, John Piper said, what you hunger for most, you worship. In fact, I just want you to humor me for a second. I want you to say these words out loud. What I hunger for most, say it out loud. I worship. What John Piper is saying is anything that you hunger for that becomes more desirable for you, and let's just be honest, it can even be good stuff. But the Bible says this in Philippians chapter 3, that sometimes people have been tempted and led astray because of some good things. And in Philippians 3, the Bible describes this as people who chase after food like a false idol. Their God is their stomach, the Bible literally says. And their end is destruction because food has become a false god to them. So the essence of everything you're going to hear from me today comes from three words. Jesus is three words. And it's just assumptions about Christians. Of course, you're going to fast if you're a Christian. Jesus just assumes that from Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you fast. Notice he doesn't say if, but he says when you fast. And this is where we start to get to the question of what exactly is this thing that we call fasting? So Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 16, describes Jesus' own words describing what it looks like when Christians fast. Whenever you fast, three words that basically put the whole sermon into perspective— don't do it like this. Don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. Now, y'all already know that that word hypocrite means you're acting one way on the outside, but let's just be honest. On the inside, your heart is very different. You're acting all pure. You're acting all holy on the outside, but on the inside, you're not nearly as pure and nearly as holy as you're pretending to be. That's hypocrisy. Whenever you fast, 
Don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Like everybody notices that brother is suffering right now. And Jesus says, truly, I tell you, they have their reward. If you're doing this to get other people's attention, when you get their attention, you've got your reward. Not so with Christians. Look, two times in three verses, but when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. That's the kind of fasting that Jesus is describing for us. That's the kind of fasting that Jesus wants from us. We're not doing it for spiritual reasons to get other people's applause. We're not doing it to try to convince God or try to blackmail God into answering our prayers. We're doing it as a spiritual discipline. We're doing it as a way of depriving ourselves for a little bit to remind ourselves of our dependence on God and desiring anything, any, even a good thing can quickly get out of balance. If the thing that you're desiring becomes too much of your desire and it starts to replace a desire for God. You see, in our society, Christians will sometimes develop an unhealthy relationship with food and they start to look to food to do something in their soul that food was never designed to to do for you. They'll start to develop this unhealthy relationship. It's always been a habit of God-fearing people to fast. Did you know that back in the Old Testament, Christians would fast typically twice a week. They would usually do it on Mondays and Thursdays. And that's why when Jesus is describing this hypocrite in Luke 18, the hypocrite is praying, God, I need you to hear my prayers because God, I'm fasting twice a week. And Jesus says, you just got all that you're asking for when you showed other people how much you were depriving yourself. If that's all you were looking for, you just got what you were looking for. By the time that you get to Christianity in the New Testament, Christians believed, well, I guess I'm still supposed to fast. But I don't do it just like they did it in the Old Testament. So they changed the dates that they would fast. And typically, early Christianity would fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. Wednesday, because it was the anniversary of the day that Judas betrayed Jesus. Friday, because it was the anniversary of the date of Jesus' crucifixion. And they would willingly sacrifice or suffer a little bit to remind themselves of the suffering of their Savior. Fasting is our way of putting things into perspective and reminding us of our dependence on God. Now, there is great danger in our relationship with food. And I'll, I'll try to describe it for you like driving down a dangerous mountain pass and a very narrow road. You see, if you go too much onto one side of the road, if you're not careful, you're going to fall into the ditch of what I like to refer to as self-indulgence. It's when you're looking to food to satisfy you, when you're looking to food to serve as uh, more than it's ever supposed to be. That's one danger. But sometimes we can overcompensate, steer all the way to the other side of the road, go into the other side of the ditch, and the other side of the ditch is not self-indulgence. The other side of the ditch is self-denial, where we say that food is bad, and I need to try to um, not look to food for good. 
Either one of those ditches are dangerous for us. So fasting is designed to put us right in the middle of the road. And it's what I'm referring to today as like Holy Spirit-inspired self-discipline of saying, hey, I'm giving something up, willingly giving something up to focus on my relationship with Jesus for just a little bit. I'm sacrificing just a little bit so that I can focus the thing, uh, focus on what's, I'm sacrificing something good so that I can focus on what's best. I'm sacrificing what's of some importance to focus on what's most important. And basically, I need to remind you that when we start talking about food, the same God that created the human body to need food to survive also said, man should not live by bread alone. And what I'm asking us today is just to guard your soul to make sure that you don't get so comfortable with comfort food that it starts to try to become the thing that we use to satisfy our soul because food cannot do that for us. So when you fast, by the time that you get to the church age in the Bible, it's always, always connected with prayer. Listen, you can pray without fasting, and you can and you should do that. But by the time you get to Jesus' resurrection and return back to heaven, when the Christians of the New Testament are fasting. It's always fasting and prayer. You can pray without fasting, but by the time you get to the church age in the Bible, you really can't fast without praying. And I want to show you from the book of Acts this startling connection between the word fasting and the word worship, which really describes why would we do this as Christians? Why would we give up food or something very specific and very significant in our lives? Why would we do that? Well, Acts starts to describe that for us in chapter 13. It says, as they were worshiping, talking about the church, as they were worshiping the Lord and, read the next word out loud, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Look at it again. And then after they, the church, had fasted and prayed, They laid hands on these two brothers, Barnabas and Saul, and they sent them off. Like, I hope it hits you the way that it hit me when I look at Acts chapter 13. Wait a second. Fasting is an act of worship, and worship has something to do with fasting, and fasting has something to do with worship. Because in the Old Testament, when I read the word fast, it's almost always associated with grieving or mourning or sadness. In fact, I'll I'll show it to you on the screens right here. When the Bible uses the word fast in the Old Testament, all of those things in blue are when you ignore food. But on almost all of the occasions, you sacrificed or gave up a little food in the Old Testament because something really bad was happening in your life and you did it as a act of worship, but it was an act of mourning or grieving or sadness. And this is your way of showing how sad you were because of the circumstances in your life. But by the time you get to the book of Acts, it's no longer about sadness. It's about an act of prayer to the Lord our God. 
Like, I want you to think about it this way, ladies. What kind of a relationship would you have with your husband? Prayer is simply talking to God, your father. What kind of relationship would you have with your husband if you never spent any time talking with him? How would that marriage be months or years later? Prayer is just our communicating with our creator. But fasting is a way of sacrificing a little bit. And now, guys, what kind of relationship would you have as a husband if you never sacrificed, never gave up a little bit of your personal gain or your personal good for the sake of your family? What kind of marriage, what kind of relationship would you have? See, when you attach prayer and fasting together, prayer is us communicating with God. Fasting is our way of self-sacrifice or self-discipline to remind us of how much we need God, to remind us how dependent we are to him. Can I show you something that I hope will be fascinating to you? Because when I saw it this week, it stopped me in my tracks. In the New Testament, That word fast is almost 100% of the time associated with depriving yourself of food, all of those areas of blue, except for these three. You see, in these three cases, the red, orange, and yellow on the screens, it's actually used to describe grabbing a hold of something, to say these words out loud, hold fast. The New Testament describes fasting as grabbing a hold of or grasping something. And I hope you've just made the connection like I did. Like, wait a second, giving up food, releasing some food in my life helps me to grab hold of Jesus. If that's what fasting is, sign me up. I will do that if it will focus my prayers and help me hold fast to Jesus which is what the New Testament word is describing when the church sacrifices a little bit of food or something significant so that their prayers can be focused and so that their relationship with Jesus can hold fast. You're releasing a little bit of something that's important, actually necessary for survival so that you can grab hold of something that's of first importance or most important.
people Israel what it looks like when their heart and their stomach are not in alignment with each other. And basically he's saying, hey, you need to get the heart right before that fast is going to be acceptable to me. Or maybe what you need to do is let your stomach correct how far apart your heart is. You want to see the hypocrites that Jesus may have been thinking about in Luke chapter 18? Well, Isaiah 58 describes them in vivid detail. Look at the verses 3 and following. And this is God speaking to his own people about fasting. They say to God, we fasted, but you have not seen. We have denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. This is specifically talking about prayer. God, we gave up some food. We prayed, but it doesn't sound like you're even listening to our prayers. Look, God's response. Look, do as you please on the day of the fast and oppress all of your workers. You fast with contention and strife to strike viciously with your fist. Now God is going to vividly describe what's wrong in their heart, not their stomach. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. You think that because you're fasting, your prayers are going to get heard by me? Well, they're not, and it's not a problem of the stomach. It's a problem of the heart. And then God is going to describe this. Will the fast that I choose be like this? A day for a person to deny himself and to bow his head like a reed and to spread out sackcloth and ashes. Will you call this fast, this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? No, God is basically saying, I reject that kind of fasting. And it's not because of your stomach. It's because of your heart. And then he's going to correct the heart. He said, isn't this, let me show you the fast that I choose. The fast that I choose is to break the chains of the wickedness, to untie the ropes of of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the poor and homeless into your house? Pause. Wait a second. He didn't say hand them some food on a street corner. He said to invite the hungry and the homeless into your house and to clothe the naked when you see him and to and not to ignore your own flesh and blood. This is what I expect in your heart while your stomach is going without food. And until your heart starts to get pure, it doesn't really matter what you're doing with your stomach because I'm not going to accept that kind of fast is what God is saying. We're describing depriving ourselves and we're depriving ourselves to remind ourselves that every good gift comes from God. And without him, I am hopeless and helpless but i'm not going to let the gift become more important than the gift giver and so i can't let food become my god and my stomach an idol because the bible says the end for that person is destruction jesus also says if you're not careful this religious ritual that you do will just become a religious ritual with no meaning whatsoever and you'll get your own reward for it because what you're doing is you're trying to impress other people no get your heart right and then let the act of fasting become something that focuses your relationship on god y'all the most powerful temptations in your life are usually not the great evils out there. 
the most powerful temptations in your life come a morsel at a time. And we start to look to those good things and they start to become more important than they should be. And then the good things start to numb our hunger for Jesus. And when any good thing, it can be food and drink, it can be friendships, it can be any delight out there. When that good thing starts to numb your hunger for Jesus, we got a problem. Because the good thing has now started to take place over the best thing. So I want to tell you how we should fast. And then I'm just going to shamelessly ask you to start today for the next 21 days fasting with Two Cities Church. Here's the how. First, we don't fast trying to trick God or convince God into giving us something like, God, I just gave up something for you, so now you owe me. Because that kind of fasting sounds to me like blackmail. It really feels a little bit like trying to bully God. And secondly, we don't fast to try to lose weight. That's not fasting. That's called a diet. And if you need to lose weight, by all means, lose weight. But don't call that fasting. But third, and I just need us to be really careful here, the third danger about fasting is that we would give up a little bit of food and we would think that by giving up a little bit of food, God's going to be impressed with us and God's going to do something good for us. And actually what we're doing is we're thinking about ourselves more than we're thinking about Jesus when we're fasting. That's called hypocrisy. That's the self-righteousness that Jesus criticizes as it relates to fasting. Now, there's a different kind of fasting where you say, okay, God, I'm going to give up something really important in my life. And for most of us out there, very practically speaking, I'm going to ask you, would you give up, if you're in the habit of eating three meals a day, would you give up one of those meals every day for the next 21 days? Some of you, have a medical condition, and you can't give up meals. I'm specifically thinking about a pregnant woman right now or a nursing mother, or maybe you have a health condition, and it would be wrong and dangerous if you were to give up a meal. If you're a person like me and you normally do six small meals a day instead of three large meals, maybe you can give up two consecutive small meals a day. And in the place of those meals, would you focus on prayer and focus on Jesus. Now, for those of you out here there that have like some medical reason why you really shouldn't give up food, I'm going to ask you to give up something equally important. If you're married, will you fast the act of sex with your husband or your wife for the next three weeks? See, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, specifically talks about a husband and a wife who choose not to come together in a sexual relationship in their marriage for the purpose of, and some translations use this phrase, prayer and fasting, and then they come back together again. Maybe you shouldn't, because of medical reasons, um, withdraw or withhold food. Maybe you should be willing to withhold something as important as the act of sex. That needs to be an agreement between husband and wife. Maybe you're single and have a medical condition. Would you give up an hour of sleep? And instead of sleeping, would you spend that time depriving yourself and focusing on Jesus in prayer? For the next 21 days, I'm going to drop a 
music video, some scripture, and very focused prayer every day on social media, Facebook, YouTube, and live on social media to guide your prayers. Recognize that people are watching this broadcast from all over our community and around the world, so you don't, we don't, we're not all trying to do this at the same time of day, but I'm trying to focus our prayers a little bit by giving you some Song, a song to sing some prayer, praise to God, a scripture to focus your mind on for just a second, and then some very specific prayer requests to just guide your prayer. For the next 21 days, starting today, would you join Two Cities Church in a fast? And then three weeks from now, on Sunday, we'll break this fast together by sharing in the Lord's table and going to communion and fellowship with one another. You see, a disciple is disciplined. And I'm asking you, if you're a follower of Christ and connected with Two Cities Church, would you do the last thing on the screens right now, the bottom thing on the screens? But maybe you just checked us out for the first time and you're thinking, these people are crazy. Why would I do that? Why would I give up sleep or sex or food? Well, maybe if, you're, if this doesn't make sense to you, it's because you're not really a disciple of Christ. And maybe what you need right now is God to do a miracle inside your soul. And let me just help you. When the soul gets right, the stomach and every other part of your body is easier to get right with God after the soul's got right. So what I want to do is pray for us. I want to pray for somebody who's connecting with us for the first time and may not be a Christian. I'm going to just shamelessly ask that you surrender your soul to Jesus in just a moment. But for all the rest of us, would you be willing to give up a little bit for the next three weeks and focus on our prayers so that we could hear from God and that so God would hear from us? Would you bow your heads? We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.